Welcome to Safety Spectrum, your environmental health and safety connection. This program is a presentation of the Michigan Safety Conference. For almost a century, the annual conference has provided credible educational opportunities and valuable support to the safety and health practitioner by offering 120 instructional programs, along with exhibits highlighting the latest in safety equipment, instrumentation, and demonstrations. To learn more about the conference, please find us at MICH, M-I-C-H, safetyconference.org. Welcome to Safety Spectrum. I'm your host, Sheila Ide. This program is sponsored by the Michigan Safety Conference, and our topic today is the Michigan Hazmat Training Center, Preparing for the Worst. One constant of the EHS profession and for hazmat professionals is the need for ongoing education of employees. To prepare first responders and private industry to address both anticipated and unanticipated emergencies, disasters, accidents, threats, and chemical challenges. Our guest, Wendy Galbraith, who holds a professional emergency manager designation, is manager of the Emergency Management and Homeland Security Training Center, Hazardous Materials Training Unit, or a little easier, EMHSTC. <laughs> Wendy joined the Michigan Department of State Police in 1999 at the Hazardous Materials Training Center. After nine years, she moved into other areas of the Michigan State Police, including Public Affairs, the Administrative Services Bureau, Project Office, and the Training Academy. Wendy returned to the Hazmat Training Center as a manager two years ago, which she refers to as coming home. Thank you for joining me this morning on Safety Spectrum. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You know, I took a nice tour of your facility, and I was very impressed at what you have there. So what prompted the formation of the Hazmat Training Center to begin with? Well, it, it kind of started with a vision with Mr. Um, Jim Burnside from Dow Chemical and First Lieutenant Art Nash of the Michigan State Police. It started way back in 1982 when the Michigan Chemis Chemical Council, which is now the Michigan Chemistry Council, asked for help in writing a hazardous materials response plan for the state. So they determined a gap in hazardous materials training. Local fire departments were asking Burnside and Dow to train their responders. Um, they had an agreement with the state fire marshal that if they needed assistance in any training that they would help. Well, under Michigan Fire Prevention Code, um, any hazmat incident which occurred in the state but must be reported to the fire marshal's office. So Lieutenant Nash was directly acquainted with emergency response procedures as one of the state's very first um, hazmat inspectors in 1977. Yes. Well, you've been around for a while then. Yeah, yeah, he definitely was. In 1979, the fire marshal division asked Dow um, for assistance with hazmat response planning and joint efforts then began that year. So a long and productive association, obviously, between Art Nash and Jim Burnside, um, as well as state government. And, and that's when the whole partnership with state government and industry began there. So in 1982, the four levels of training were identified, which closely aligned with OSHA's then recently passed legislation about hazardous waste operations and emergency response. Yes. Water, yep. yes. So um, after the incident in India in the mid eighties, a task force was created to include the Michigan Chemistry Council industry and the state police to begin um, doing train the trainers around the state. So there was an overwhelming response and it quickly became more than they could handle. So in 1988, Burnside said, hmm, I'm gonna go talk to Art. And he presented this idea of building the Hazmat Training Center. So Burnside offered to get industry involved and Nash would take the leadership role from the state government side. And that 
is how the partnership, the Hazmat partnership with industry was formed. And then three years later, we have the Hazmat Training Center, they open their doors. So actually, um, Jim Burnside is now thought of as the father of hazardous materials training in Michigan. And we just dedicated our training yard to him um, yeah. at our 30th anniversary in September of 2021. So yeah, so, so the incident in both the incident in Bhopal in India probably triggered uh, Dow to get uh, more involved in the hazardous training. And as you say, it aligns with the Hazwopper standard that OSHA and MyOSHA have then. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. That's, that's awesome. For You've sure. been in business for like 30 some years then now since you just had your this anniversary. And yeah, quite an operation over there. Yeah. This oh, September, it'll be 32 gosh. years. So can you explain what the training center consists of? What are its capabilities? So we're on almost four acres um, and the, we currently offer 21 different hazardous materials classes such as hazmat operations, um, hazwopper and refresher training, hazmat tech, highway cargo tank, uh, hazmat officer, ICS or incident command system, flammable gas specialist, rail car specialty, air monitoring, chemistry courses, various other ones, but um, the courses are developed for, you know, obviously the proper response to hazardous materials incidents. And they include hands-on training using, we have railroad, you've seen them, railroad tank cars, tank trucks, and storage tanks. Um, many of our courses are offered on-site because of the, um, the unique simulation aids we have back there. The props are awesome. Um, but we have a lot that are mobile as well. So we have some props that um, we can take on the road that simulate rollovers or propane leaks, et cetera. So yeah. Do you do any virtual training or that? Oh, no, no. Um, at this much. time, we're not doing any online training at all. It's virtually impossible to get the hands-on level of training that's needed for hazmat response. So no, we're not doing that. Well, this is great when I work with the fire department. I know back in the day, we had to come up with our own hazwopper incidences, like a rail car, chemical leak, something like that. And all of us out there in the field trying to figure out who's who what our roles are and trying to anticipate something that might happen. Yeah. So yeah, very well needed. Now you're out there by the state police post on uh, Canal yeah. Road, right? Yes, we are. We're located right behind the training academy. So if you pull in that little drive that goes between the um, training academy and uh, the that um, precision drive track, if you go down into there, we're right behind the training academy. Okay, that's where all the police cars stimulate the water on the road and exactly. Yes. Yes. I used to work out there, so yeah, I remember. That. Oh, did you? <laughs> they yes. told me that. Yeah. So you know, it gets kind of loud sometimes in the summer. <laughs> kind of fun, <laughs> I bet you. Know. Tires. The new, the new drivers kind of enjoy it, I suppose. Oh, for sure. Oh, I've been out there a few times. It's a lot of fun. I gotta say. <laughs> it's it's quite an operation out there. The whole training academy, and then the the hazmat center, and all the different yeah. trainings. Can do lab, yeah. We have the whole public safety campus out here now, so it's pretty nice. So you indicated the training center was built from a partnership with both public and private. Uh, what other agencies contributed to the? Oh my gosh, numerous. So of course, I've already stated a few times, Michigan Chemistry Council and Dow, um, they've been huge supporters since day one. But also some of the larger donors we had were several associations. We had the Michigan Railroads Association. Petroleum Association, Propane Gas Manufacturers, the Trucking Association, but we also had the Michigan Chamber of Commerce. But um, the smaller donors, we had over 80. So we have this large board that's hanging in our lobby right now that is a thank you and a tribute to all of those donors. Um, it has all their names on there, but just to name a few of them that I know that are still in existence. So obviously Hemlock, they still come and do some training for us, but CSX, BASF, 
Bill Barr, um, the Marathon Oil, Michigan, or McKinley Trucking, sorry, Menominee Paper Company, MSA, um, Indiana, Michigan Power Company, Dow Corning, Consumers Power, Amerigas Propane. Oh my gosh, I could go on. There's so many more, but yeah. So are the, the contributions of monetary or instructors or what? Mostly monetary. Yep, mostly monetary because there's a huge need. I mean, they, they saw that gap and um, needed to fill it. So, so it was mostly kidding. monetary, but there was some some other you know, like construction. Well, you're kind of segueing into my next question is like, who uses the training facilities? I mean, that seems like basic. I mean, obviously fire public uh, safety people, but uh, for sure, it's like private industries involved as well. We do. We do. We do a lot of training for um, private industry as well. I mean, the majority of our, our, um, our students are mostly from fire, you know, fire stations or uh, fire departments, I'm sorry. Um, but also, you know, the hazmat teams is specifically um, but private sector hazmat teams as well. But we also do training for like DOT, Eagle, um, you know, Laura, uh, Myosha. <laughs> We've done training for um, people all over the place. But yeah, we do have programs that are specific to private sector agencies as well. We have our eight hour, 24 hour, 40 hour hazwoppers and confined space training. But we do a lot of specialty courses for, for private agencies. They're a little bit different than our um, public sector agencies, obviously. But we do um, a tailored 40 hour class for BASF and GM. But then we do some other tailored classes for like Meyer, American Sales, some others. Um, those agencies actually ask us to look at their hazards that they have in their, their agent or their entity and then look at their standard operating guidelines and build instruction and scenarios around those. Um, and then we will have them follow or they will have them follow their SOGs or their standard operating guidelines to accomplish the task. And actually for the BASF class, it's pretty fun. We work in a challenge or what they call their hazmat Olympics um, for them so that there's a little bit of healthy competition along with the instruction. And they bring staff in from all over the country Actually, we just um, went to one of their locations in Texas in December to give them a chemistry class. We don't really go out of state that often, but if it works out, we can, we will. So yeah. It's... I think you said when we were talking that you actually attract students from outside of Michigan. Oh yeah, and Canada. Yeah, for sure. Is yeah. that because, because of the, the how big your training facility is or the kind of scenarios that you can set up? I mean, just the um, word's getting out there. You know, apparently. For sure. For sure. <laughs> I mean, we're not the only um, hazmat training center in the country, for sure. But we are one of the lower cost ones. Um, we are, uh, I feel like we're a little bit more robust in the sense of our props. We have a lot of great props. We just had, when we had our open house on um, in September of 2021, um, we had this railroad company come in from Indiana, had no idea we existed, and we're so excited because they were sending people across the country for their training, and now they found out there, that there's a hazmat training center just a couple of hours away from them. So um, people are finding out about it all the time. It's kind of exciting. I love going places and, and hearing somebody from across the country say, oh, I've heard of you, or oh, I've been to one of your classes. It's pretty exciting. So what... I. I didn't ask you this before, but what percentage of classes are like specialty created for a particular entity, a particular issue as compared to your regular calendar classes? Gosh, you know what? I don't even know that I've ever figured that out. <laughs> but I think, you know, looking at your calendar, it looks like you do have a lot of spaces open. We so do. People we do. Um, and that's on purpose. Um, well, 
some of it's on purpose, some of it is out of necessity. We only have one classroom. So um, we really have to work. We can't have, if we have a three-day class and then another three-day class coming up, then obviously we run out of weekdays. So, um, so there's that, but we also leave gaps in it so that we can do those specialty courses. We can go mobile. Um, we don't have a huge, we have roughly about 33 instructors on the list altogether. Um, so there's, you know, we don't have a huge depth to be able to just pull. I mean, most of our instructors already work at a fire department and this is their part-time job or retired from a department um, and working here, you know, part-time. So um, it's kind of hard to do that. But yeah, we leave gaps in there specifically for taking classes mobile or doing these specialty classes um, specifically for the private entities that, that need the class and have enough to fill it. So I wouldn't, I don't know the percentage. I honestly don't know. Oh, that's fine. I just was curious. That's a good question I, to ask. Because I, I know that you you do a lot of specialized classes. I think we, mm -hmm. we talked about a couple of uh, like even grocery stores or warehousing mm -hmm. entities have a need for HAZWAP or training because they do handle some chemicals. For sure. Do you ever do uh, like public utilities? Like you said, you do confined consumers, spaces. For sure. Uh, we've done consumers and um, DTE. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've, we've definitely had them and, and sometimes a lot of times it's not necessarily just for that class. We'll do a class and they'll allow other students to come in because maybe they, they realize, you know, they want um, the class primarily for them, but in order to make it more cost effective, they're, you know, they'll allow others from outside of their agency to come in as well. So remember we'll from, have... from my experience at trying to teach a confined space classes for like sewer people, mm -hmm. it, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of equipment, a lot of time and to really get people up to snuff so it's great that you offer that service i'm sure for the smaller utilities and that yeah we actually have so, a couple of fine space classes coming up an entry and then um a rescue so we have a couple coming up which we hope never happens but of course it does right so if someone had their own program but needs access to the facility which like you say you have some awesome equipment out there mm. where you can practically simulate any kind of disaster or chemical spill that i can think of uh, <laughs> you, you rent out your facility Absolutely. Yep. Yep. We rent it out. Um, there is a cost involved, of course, because um, we do have to have a, one of our staff on site for safety purposes, as well as making sure that the props are used correctly and everything is, um, is you know, handled the way that it should be. Um, yeah, we absolutely um, would rent it out to a facility if they, if they needed it and they had their own instructors, but just wanted the props and the extra lifelike um, lessons for sure. Oh, and something I want to um, note too that we're pretty, pretty freaking proud of, I got to say, is in our almost 32 years of existence, we've not had any injuries. So we're pretty excited about that. That's a good record to have. So you're not actually spilling ammonia all over the ground so people can clean it up, right? <laughs> no, uh, that's a good thing to note too. We also do not train on any live chemicals. So all of our chemi chemicals are simulated mostly with water, but yeah, we, we don't use chemicals. We have very small amounts of chemicals for like our chemistry class to do like litmus paper or um, tests with, but we don't do any of our, um, any of our large props with anything, but typically water. Yeah, we're going to yes. talk about instructors a little more, I think later, but uh, what kind of background are you looking for, for instructors? Wow. So, I mean, <laughs> that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. So, um, originally, the big advantage of the partnership between state government and the industry was industry instructors could come in and do portions of the class. Um, over the years, and industry instructors have 
really been hard for us to come by. We still have some Dow and Hemlock instructors, as I've said, and I believe some CSX, CN, and BASF still teach for us too, but we would love to beef up our um, industry instructor cadre. Private industry students, obviously, um, much like public sector, they appreciate the instruction from private industry entities. So it's much easier for them to relate. So honestly, I'm going to throw in a plug here. But if anyone's interested in being a part-time instructor for us, please let me know. It's much like um, Shipped or Uber, where you kind of mark yourself available whenever you're available. So <laughs> if, if there's a class that we need an instructor, we reach out to you and it doesn't work for you, then no, I'm sorry, I'm not available. Or if it does, then yeah, you know, count me in. So yeah, we would definitely love to beef up our instructor, our industry if instructor. We have a lot. If it's Uber, like, does that mean tips are involved? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, no. <laughs> My apologies. Can't make that one work. <laughs> so what else? What else? Why do you think this is an important thing to uh, provide the state of Michigan and other areas? Oh, gosh. I mean, I think we've kind of hit on um, the importance of all the training. But, um, you know, I, I do want to uh, mention, if, if at all possible, if you'll allow me to talk about um, expansion. Um, so almost. Yep. Are you OK? You were going to ask me about it. Sorry. I know we had talked That's about fine. it before, but. Um, so almost since the day that the center was built, we outgrew it. So um, in the late 1990s, our staff grew and we had no space in the building. So we had to bring in a single wide trailer. And that was the late 90s. You know, we were just built in 91. So that wasn't very much longer. And then we got more staff and we brought in a double wide trailer to replace that single wide in the early 2000s. That um, double wide was just supposed to be a temporary fix of like a year or two, but ended up to be 20 years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, we're super excited to announce that we have an expansion on the horizon that's going to be coming pretty soon. So that trailer is out of here on January 31st. Everybody is super excited about that. Um, just That's just in preparation for the breaking ground because that does take some time to tear down after 20 years of being in place. But um, so currently... We have a 30 student classroom, but we're adding a 50 student classroom to the back. Um, obviously we're bringing in the staff that were out in the trailer, no more trudging through the snow to use the restrooms. They'll actually have offices in the building. Um, and we are adding more restrooms as well, as well as um, breakout space and conference rooms. Um, but both classrooms are gonna have direct access to the garage, which, um, as you saw, that has lockers in there and equipment for all the students. So, I mean, it's completely outfitted for um, each class. So both classrooms will have direct access to there and also visibility to the training yard. So if there's some of the students that are in the classroom doing their instruction work, then they can still see what their other team is doing out there in the training yard. So we're going to have that. To take you back to the, the uh, renting out of the facility, I meant to ask you this. Um, do you have any kind of oversight with people that are using your facility? You said you had no accidents in 30 years. So, right. Yeah. So like I said, when, um, if somebody wants to rent our facility, then it does come with a cost because we do have to pay somebody to come in and be like the safety officer for the class. So okay. there is someone that is going to be on site, um, making sure that, you know, nobody's getting injured and all the props are being used correctly. Um, so yeah, I mean, that definitely comes into play why we've done so well with our, our injuries. 
um, thus far is we're constantly, I mean, safety is of the utmost importance. So, And then with such a large class, everybody still gets the opportunity to do hands-on on this. I, if it's a hands-on class, for sure. It. Not every single class that we do is hands-on, but any of the hands-on classes, then yes, everybody is going to be doing hands-on. And I like the idea of doing uh, the challenge where you actually have to apply what you learn, not just taking yeah. a test, but actually show that you know what you Oh yeah, you learn. And, and actually in our hazmat tech class too, we do um, skills assessments as we go to. It's just not as um, fun as the challenge that BASF likes us to put together for them. So, so you're able to provide certificates for people that they've achieved different levels of Absolutely. the yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Do you work with Myosha then too? Um, we've done classes for them. I haven't done a ton of um, anything other than classes with them. I wonder if there's a place to tap for instructors as well. <laughs> Um, I have spoken to Mr. Pickleman <laughs> about that. <laughs> okay, let me put my two cents in then. Too. So is there anything uh, outside our private industry should know about the center? Um, so I guess one thing I want to do uh, a plug to the Michigan Chemistry Council and just thank them again for their um, constant ongoing support of the expansion of us, but the expansion too, they've done some lobbying downtown to help set this in motion. Also setting up a site where people could donate towards the effort. We just can't say enough about how appreciative we are of John Dolmez and the Michigan Chemistry Council um, for helping keep us afloat for this many years. It's very much appreciated. But one final thing I would like to say, um, if you would allow me, I don't know if it's the final, but it's, I think it's the last thing that I have to say, um, <laughs> barring any more questions. Um, is if anybody would like a tour of the center, I would be happy to set that up. Um, I'm unsure when construction is going to start, um, but we would definitely have to do something before then because we won't have access once they break ground. But um, of course, obviously, when it's done, we will, I'm sure, be doing a ribbon cutting um, or an open house or something like that, where we'll be sure to send out an invite on that as well. But if anybody wants a tour of the center, I'm happy to set that up. And I'll second how intriguing it is to go see that. And you know, it's like a disaster waiting to happen. <laughs> you know? right. Well, and, and I didn't mention this either with the expansion, but it's it's also something kind of exciting on the horizon for the for the department. So um, we're just a, a stem of the department. Everybody thinks because we're next to the training academy, we're part of the training academy, which isn't true. Um, we're different divisions entirely. Like you said before, I'm part of the Emergency Management Homeland Security Division. They're the training division. Um, but this is just a public safety campus. We share space, um, very good neighbors, and of course, one team. So um, on the back of our, um, our training yard is going to be here soon, hopefully soon. I don't know how long it's going to take, but they're putting like a Sim City in. So a Hogan's Alley, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's, they're putting that in. So this is pretty exciting. So um, they'll be able to connect to our, um, our training yard as well. And it can all be part of one. So a whole city could be um, experiencing some sort of a, an incident and, you know, it's going to be where people can train on what they're going to do about it. So it's pretty exciting. Um, so like, constantly like growing training up. Training we have a great director who is very much into training and he's just trying to support the effort. Um, and we're just very appreciative to him and what he's making happen of, you know, finally getting this expansion going to, and then that Hogan's alley that since I've been here for 24 years has been in discussion, but now they're actually gaining traction and it's moving forward. Okay. Good. to 
fill me in on what that means exactly, the Hogan's Alley? Hmm. It's like a Sim City. So um, they'll build like Oh, a virtual, and... like a virtual city. Yeah. Oh, it's virtual. It's physical. It's going to be for real. Okay. They're going to have okay. streets and street lights and all of oh, that. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I wow. think there's one. I think the Crest Center, I think, has one um, down in Southeast Michigan. I believe they have one too. But um, yeah, we're going to be creating that here hopefully in the next few years. That's awesome. Yeah. So did I, have you got any other final thoughts? I know I'm kind of pushing you through, but you know, if there's anything no, you're else. Fine. You're fine. Um, okay. I don't think so. I think I kind of. I, it's a fascinating own. place. If I could, you know, second that absolutely to go yeah. there and find out. And then to realize that anybody can come to it is, is just awesome as well. So as, as Wendy said, the Asthmat Training Center is a tremendous asset for Hazmat chemical contamination training in Michigan. And as Wendy explained, it attracts students from fire departments and private industry, both in and outside the state with specialized training opportunities. Also, they're always looking for instructors. So be sure to get in touch with her. <laughs> Thank you to Wendy Galbraith from the Michigan State Police Hazmat Training Center. She can be reached at emhstc at michigan.gov. And the website address to access the training class calendar is michigan.gov backslash hazmat courses and of course if you have any questions about the podcast the michigan safety conference or if you would like to be a guest or sponsor one of our podcasts information can be found on our website at mich m-i-c-h safetyconference.org hey don't forget to access the msc website and sign up for the 2023 conference coming up april 18th and 19th at the devos center in grand rapids this is Sheila Ide. Thank you for listening to Safety Spectrum.